Well, hi there, and welcome to Consortio Day, a podcast about partnering with God to do sacred work. I say this from time to time. I kind of forget to say it every time, but Consortio Day is really my rough Latin translation of partners with God. And that's really what I hope these conversations can be about. As a spiritual director, I'm deeply interested in helping people stay connected to and listen to the leading and direction of God, but particularly for those whose job so to speak, requires it. People who do sacred work in leadership and faith-based organizations or in leading others through their creative work or whatever it might be. So, thanks for coming along to listen to these conversations. One thing I want to comment on before we get to today's guest is, alongside spiritual direction, I also offer some small online intimate cohorts to learn spiritual practices with other people. And so, I'm just opening up registration this week for my next batch of cohorts for this spring. One of them is going to be called Practicing Sabbath, and it's just going to be learning alongside others and learning from others how it looks to have our own practice of Sabbath in our own lives. And so, maybe that's something you've been needing or longing for. Um, I'd encourage you to come and be a part of that. I'm also going to repeat the cohort I did this past fall called Practicing Examine on what I think is a very meaningful and simple daily pattern of prayer that doesn't require a great deal of time or a great deal of effort, but has a lot of depth and richness to it the more you engage it and the more you explore it. And so I loved doing Practicing Examine last fall and excited to offer it to another batch of people this coming spring. So either of those you can find information about on the cohorts page of my website. If you go to formationcohorts.com, it will take you directly to that page. And I would love to hear from you if you're interested or if you have any questions about that. You can find all that information on the website on how to contact me as well. My guest today is Jenny Wong Clayville. Jenny is a pastor at National Community Church, and she's also just passionate, as you'll hear in this conversation, passionate about helping other women in leadership roles find their voice, find their gifting, and encouraging them in that. So it's it's really a gift for me uh, to be able to talk to her. She was recommended to me by my, a previous guest, Tara Beth Leach, and if Tara Beth recommends somebody, then I'm absolutely going to hear what they have to say. And of course, Tara Beth was spot on. This is a great conversation. And particularly, as you'll hear, I think one of the takeaways is just to imagine what a good rule of life can look like. And I appreciate Jenny's perspective on that in this conversation. So here I am with Jenny Wong Clayville. Well, Jenny, here we are. We are meeting for the first time and having a conversation, I think, about something we're both very passionate about. I'm picking that up from you and 12 minutes we've been talking here. But first off, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, particularly tell us about your, your role. Tell us about the sacred work that you do. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington, and my mom came to know Jesus when I was maybe three and started going to church from that point on, which really changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, But really realizing that we always, as the church, at least in the United States, ha- you know, we count ourselves as a Christian country, but we do not make ourselves accessible. We don't make the church actually accessible to people that don't look or act like the dominant culture. That That's something that has kind of pushed me forward into what I do, uh, what I feel God has called me to do in the over 20 years that I've been in ministry is really twofold. It's it's um, making the Word and understanding the Word accessible to just anybody, 
Yeah. Not just those of us that go to school to understand this, but yeah. making it accessible to anybody. Uh, and then the second really is to make it accessible to women that are isolated, that don't have the allies or the, the, the posture that I have, or even the invitation to the table to speak, that's really kind of the, the secondary thing of just yeah. helping women that feel isolated and not really knowing where they stand in the Imago Dei, in, in the church, um, helping them feel seen and heard and valued and helping release some of that into their calling into this, in, into kingdom work. And so uh, that's kind of who I am. That's what I yeah. do. Everything kind of revolves around that. Of, of course, my first love is, uh, other than than God, is my family. I have my husband, Brian, and then I have my two sons, Chance and Paxton. And so, um, th- they're my world, and, and yeah. I, everything is better with them in it. So Yeah. And so, how old are your sons? Chance is 17, and Paxton is 14. Oh, they are easy so, peasy. They're so fun. They're, <laughs> yeah. I don't really know what we did, but I think we did a few things right because they're really trustworthy. They're really funny. They they engage well with adults. Uh, Brian mm-hmm. and I went to Greece uh, in February for a learning trip that was uh, two weeks long, and we left our boys home alone. I mean, we had friends wow. that came and yeah. checked in, but yeah, they're yeah. just really responsible. And I'm so very, very grateful that sure. they're, just, they're, they're good kids. So, Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for all that. And then you also, you know, you've worked at a number of churches. Tell us about the role that you have now. I currently work at a church called National Community Church uh, in Washington, D.C. I oversee the location that is in Northern Virginia. It's called Nova. So the... The D.C. area, it's known as the DMV. The D is D.C., M is Maryland, mm-hmm. and V is Virginia. Yeah. Not everyone knows that. They think they're going to get their license when I say DMV. So we're in the DMV. <laughs> I've, and I've, so- I've never heard that uh, <laughs> that before, so that's good to know. Yeah, and so uh, I live in Virginia, and uh, so we oversee that. But I do office in D.C. because it only takes like 30 minutes to get into work. And so we all mm-hmm. office together. But, um, yeah, this is this church is – is a, it's a large church and it's it, just literally in our nation's capital. And so some of the tensions, yeah. some of the things we feel are just different than some of the things that people might feel in middle America. It doesn't make it harder. It's just different. And so there, there's kind of its own culture here. And so that's kind of been fun to, to settle into and, and kind of do our best that we can do yeah. doing ministry and, and doing kingdom work here. So. And alongside that, you're also, it looks like in, on the teaching team, like you regularly preach at yeah. the campus you're at or throughout the... I, I So when it was COVID, I was like mixed into the main crew, but yeah. we do re- usually stick with just our campuses because yeah, okay. we want to make it accessible to the local church that is the community yeah. that's right there. So yeah, I'm part of the teaching team. I oversee uh, the majority of the team that is at um the nova campus and and so that's like worship first impressions missions uh oversee groups uh and kids basically of next gen so uh i i fortunately don't do all of that we have people that are incredible way better than myself and i just oversee them and make sure that they've got everything that they need yeah and so this question then well actually let me pause before i i you know i sent you these questions ahead of time about we always go off the script. I, sure. I go all out. I'm a curious fellow. So uh, when you talk about, you know, when I, when, when I asked you to name your sacred work and your vocation, 
I really appreciate that you kind of answered more with calling than job, even though they overlap for sure. Um, so I, I'm curious to know, like when you talk about your heart for women and because you have a place at the table, you know, helping give them access, are you able to pursue that much within your church um, job? Or is that something you more see as something that happens even outside of your church role as you network with other churches and other leaders and that kind of thing? So it manifests a little bit differently within the local church because not every woman or minority is looking to be like a ministry lead of some sort. Of course, I have team members that are female, and so I pour into that 100%. I also pour into the guys because I, I, to me, it's not – Women only. Uh, I think if we are to look at the ecclesia, the church, the the called out, like it is all. We're not saying one is more important than the other. We have to do this in tandem together, right? And so um, it just manifests again differently how it looks in a community church gathering setting. It's much more about pouring in and helping them release whatever dreams or whatever calling it might be in their lives, which is really, we talked earlier about bivocational stuff, but really you are called no matter what. And then your vocation, maybe you work for the government, which is a lot of that here, right? Or they work in the Pentagon or they're teachers or they're whatever it might be. How do you, how do you pull from what God has called you to be in that situation in what you do, not the other way around? So uh, that's how that kind of looks there, but how it manifests in other places is because I've had the privilege of being invited to the table and having incredible allies. uh, My, I, I, I'm not saying it hasn't been hard, but it is not, it hasn't been as hard for me as it has been for some women. I've talked to many women, you know, middle America in, in places, in churches that are, um, complementarian and, and they feel called, but they don't know what that means. Even churches that say they're egalitarian, but really not fully in some ways they are. Right. And so how do I resource them? love on them, help them not feel isolated, but also not like, hey, we don't need to leave here. Like you're called to that space. So what does that look like in that context? Um, And sometimes God is calling them out, but sometimes God is saying, no, you got to stay here and it's going to be hard work, but you need to stay here, however that looks. And so that's kind of looks like, so it it looks different everywhere, but the call is the same. Like the outcome should be the same, but how it is um, applied is maybe different. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate you speaking to that. I always like seeing, I always like when I see little glimpses of passion about something to stoke them a little bit. (laughs) There's always good conversation there. Um, So, but I mean, your day-to-day really is this work you do leading um, within the church context. And, you know, as I told you before, you know, I worked in a large multi-team church before and, uh, you know, generally a really healthy setting. But I also know that in a setting like that, it's really easy to just go about doing the work, right? Like checking the boxes, what tasks need to be done, what meeting needs to be led, what service needs to be produced. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this seems like such an obvious question. And yet it's, it's not an obvious question, which is what role does partnering with God play in your work? Because I, I know because Tara Beth Leach Mm -hmm. recommended you to me that this is not just a, you know, a job for you that there's like a sacred heart at work here and, and partnering with God in your work. So 
um, I know that you're not just doing the tasks. Yeah. So what does it look like then for you in the services you're putting together and the teams you're leading and the sermons you prepare um, to partner with God in that? Yeah. So I, first of all, I love Terabeth. Anything she says to do, I'll be like, yeah, I, I'm on it. And <laughs> like, if she says do this, I'm, I just know she's leading me in the right direction. She's phenomenal. She's such a good friend. Um, for me, I am what I like to call a re- recovering workaholic. Yeah. I am an Enneagram three. Oh I, yeah. <laughs> I am. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. Right? <laughs> Churches are full of it and we are beautiful called people. Mm. But when we talk about partnering with God, a three and an eight, I mean, all of us actually, let's be honest, can get ahead of it. Sometimes when we think partnership, what we hear is we got to do it all. It's all work-based. And yeah. I naturally, if not checked, will fall in that category. And so there's a lot more I do to make sure that I am Sabbathing, that I am mm-hmm. taking time to pray and just sit instead of do, which is very, very difficult for me. Sure. Uh, but, but yeah, I, you know, even NCC, uh, where I'm at right now is very much a go, 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 go do like something that we say all the time is we're building the plane in the air, which honestly is really just impossible. I don't really love that saying, but it's yeah. something that we do. And it is connected with a lot of the culture, um, the Western culture, especially America of get it done. Like, yeah. Pull, yeah. pull yourself up by the bootstraps, go, go, go. And there is good in that, but it has become unhealthy in many ways when we're yeah. reading scripture and God is calling us to abide in him and to be still. And we watch the the life of Jesus. And yes, he did a lot. He did so much, but he also balanced it with being away, getting away, being silent, and sitting yeah. at the foot. A lot, right? a lot, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when we partner with God, it to me means we don't get ahead of him. Partnering is walking alongside him and honestly, maybe walking behind so that we ensure he is taking the lead. Uh, I have many times in ministry in the more than two decades in ministry that I've been in just, man, just counted on my own discernment, which is not always right. Sure. Sure. Uh, and the problem with me is, and, and my team jokes about it, is that I am right a lot of the time. And so I just <laughs> run, like I go because I'm like, yeah, like 90 plus percent of the time I'm right. But when I'm wrong, I'm really, really wrong. So then it's kind of like devastating when I'm really wrong. And I'm like, man, I missed that one completely. And so sure. I try not to get ahead of that. And the the work, the kingdom of God is so important. And there is... There's such a um, urgency in that that I don't want to mess it up, right? And I'm not, yeah. I'm not fearful of it. I just don't want to get ahead of what is really supposed to be done. Yeah, that's great. So, I mean, you mentioned then you mentioned Sabbath thing, but you also mentioned I think before I was even recording. You know, you have a rule of life, which. So my next question is, what are your personal or inner rhythms? But I guess I could better say, let's talk about your rule of life. Yeah. Um, and first of all, I would I would say, you know, I, I would expect most people listening might be familiar with the concept of rule of life. But tell us a little bit about what you understand that to be, and how did you come across that idea? 
Yeah. So a rule of life, first of all, I came across it in school. Like it was a required thing that we had to do in seminary. And so, but I had a version of it prior of just trying to, it's like, you know, you, you make your goals of what you're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. And a rule of life for me, for me, it's broken and it's done many different ways, but mine is broken up into time. So I have my rule of life set up of what I do daily is my daily rhythms, sacred rhythms. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I have it weekly and then I have it uh, monthly and then I have it quarterly and then it's yearly. So things that need to fall into those things. I am about to nerd out on this conversation. I Let's love everything about it. this. Let's do it. Um, so like my daily stuff is very much because I am a recovering workaholic, little things like I have alarms on my phone that go off. And those are when I stop, no matter what, what I'm doing, walk away from my desk, take a walk down and purposely think, okay, God, what is next? I am inviting him again into that moment so that there are checkpoints during the day. I'm not saying everybody needs this. I yeah. definitely do. So everybody's yeah. rule of life will look different. It, it's it's things that keep me healthy holistically. So it's not just spiritually. It's physically, am I working mm-hmm. out? Am I connecting with the people that are most important to me? My husband, my children, uh, my, my closest friends, my community. So those are all built into it uh, daily, weekly, uh, monthly, quarterly, and then yearly. And so, for instance... Um, weekly so i have those breaks built in right but then weekly i make sure that i have a sabbath so yeah i don't do anything i i actually um i i observe sabbath on basically friday sundown Mm -hmm. to saturday sundown so i i i work hard to not that it's community we're not not doing anything right we're just not doing extra and so i don't work i really try not to work there are certain times because we're in the church world like Christmas Eve, yeah, since fall yeah. on Saturday. So I just shift it. I don't make it the the law, like I can't break it. It is just right. something that is a rhythm that I observe and I make sure that it's there so I am rested and I'm healthy enough to hear from God. So there's that that Sabbath that I have there on a weekly basis. On, on a monthly basis, I make sure that I get away on a silent retreat, which may mm, look like yeah. two days. And uh, I... I love it. People are so afraid of silence, but it's when you break through after you've had X amount of hours and you all of a sudden just hear from God, feel from God in a way that you don't feel on a regular basis. That's so important to do. And then, of course, we have like yearly vacations. I've worked that into that to make sure that the things that I love, the people I love are seen, cared for, heard, I, I that they feel like I am with them because, yeah. uh, again, workaholics – can live many, many years without ever saying hi to their children and all of a sudden they're grown and gone out of the house, right? So um, basically that's what my rule of life is. I think most people, it's like that. It's just maybe um, set up a little bit different and how it it looks, how it feels, uh, but that's really how mine works. And when you do that silent retreat, what is that? I, I mean, you say you go away. Do you go to a retreat center every time? Do you vary that? What does that look like? So it's looked different in different seasons. Uh, if it's like the monthly one, I will uh, go for a walk. I'll, I'll take a trail. I'll, I'll walk out in nature. I, I will take a longer walk. So maybe I'll yeah. walk out to where there's a lake and I'll just sit. Yeah. No iPod. 
I mean, I don't turn things on. Do we even use iPods anymore? But whatever, music. But people, <laughs> we know what you mean. People are like, what is an MP3 player? <laughs> um, but yeah, I just don't play anything. I just sit in the silence of it all. Mm. Um, maybe a silent retreat for me, and I've done this, is uh, I go and lock myself up in like our little uh, side of my house, and I paint. I'm very creative, so I will mm, yeah. put on like worship music. And I, this is what I do. I actually just put on one one song that goes on repeat because there's something about like really just embodying the words there. So be careful which song you pick. Like don't pick like weird <laughs> songs, but pick truth songs. Sure. And then I just start to create and some of it I show and some of it I don't, but it is this connection piece. So that's one of the ways to do it. And when we look mm. at quarterly, a silent retreat for me on a quarterly basis is me leaving town i have a friend who has a retreat center that uh is there's a little area that is like just by yourself so Mm. it's quiet it's out in the country like there's nothing to distract you bring in food and then you're basically just by yourself and it's it's brilliant uh, I've spent time in monasteries before, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go and stay there and sit when they have, you know, Compline and and listen to just chants. And so yeah. I, I try different things to kind of see what it taps into. But I would say yeah. be be if you're trying it out, like don't expect the first time to feel, oh man, I'm so connected. This was the most holy experience. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, it is, it is a practice and it is a, yeah. is a rhythm that, that kind of builds into, you start to know what to expect as you get into it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, full disclosure. Um, I had one of those days scheduled on my calendar for this last Tuesday yeah. and on Monday night I punted um, because I just realized, A, it was going to be cold on Tuesday. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to hike in that weather, but B, I just felt like, you know what, there's there's stuff I have to get done. Yeah. You know, And all that to say, um, I find you know trying to have something like that, I don't even try to do it monthly. I try to do like a day quarterly. Yeah. And I find even on that rhythm, I have to fight for it. Like I have to really schedule in advance, plan for it in terms of, I know there's tasks I'm going to have to get done. So all that to say, I'm curious, what, what are some of the steps that you feel like you have to take to protect that? You know, like how, how do you, and how often do you find that you have to punt because you're in this building the plane in the sky, yeah. building the plane in the air kind of job where things come up all the time? Yeah, I, I do have to punt around a bit at times because my schedule is not necessarily my own. What yeah. I can control though is do I reschedule it? Yeah. So often we're like, oh, we're so busy. And so something about a rule of life too is I edit that thing maybe every six months because I go back and I look at it and it's something that I, so there's different seasons in our life where we're like, okay, this is not, this is not sustainable. And I, I, this is ideal, but I just can't do it. And if it's in your rule of life and it, just sits there and you know you can't do it you're not going to pay attention to it but if you go through and you edit to make sure that it is doable you end up practicing that and then it kind of shifts into what you are going to value more so um yeah like i just think that if you have to cancel which there's nothing wrong with that just make sure it lands in your calendar again and when if january 6th by the way yeah that's when it is next time i rescheduled it. it Which I just realized the irony of that date, but anyway. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> like said. maybe more of us need to be silent on that date. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah, and and I appreciate that too. That word about you know the rule of life is to serve you. You're not serving the rule of life. So the fact that you can go back and revisit it, like eighteen months ago, it might might have made a lot of sense to you to think this would be really good for future Jenny. Mm-hmm. But now that future Jenny is here, might say no. This this needs its edit. This will work better. So right, and everything you do in a rule of life is to sustain the calling that God has put on your life, right? And so if you burn yourself out. That's not worship. That's not honoring yeah. God. That's not stewarding what He gave you well, which is your body, your health, your time. And so, how do you do this for longevity? Instead of what what kind of what amount of work can we get out of you as fast as possible? Yeah. So um, when I was in full time ministry, you know, typically my day off was Friday, and we tried to treat that like Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a season, especially once my kids and some of my coworkers, um, you know, were had spouses with jobs or, um, you know, my kids were in school where it made more sense to go to the Saturday Sabbath, yeah. which in ministry is really challenging, actually, mm-hmm. because you're already thinking about Sunday. Yes. So I'm wondering what what is your I'd love to lean in on Sabbath a little bit and just hear about what it, what does your day typically look like? And again, how do you protect that day when Sunday's looming. <laughs> yeah, I have had Sabbath on Mondays before, and there are certain days like I can't take a Friday, then I'll push it onto a Monday because Sunday happens. And then I try to shut down Sunday evening and yeah. then try to really just, because kids are at school too for me. So yeah. I can actually take that Monday and go, whew, you know, and I don't know. We're all a little, all pastors are a little lethargic on Monday anyway. So it's kind sure. of nice, but I, I kind of don't want to go into Sabbath tired. And so I yeah. try not to do that as well. Uh, but yeah, I don't think there's like a hard, fast rule, at least for us as, you know, Protestants, it's not like, oh, it has to be on the seventh day. Sure. But not at all. Yeah. But it is very much a, for me, it's much more a, Where's my focus? And so it could be on any day. You yeah. just have to make sure you're you're taking. And for some of us, maybe it's impossible in this season of our life to Sabbath a full day. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe start with a couple hours. I mean, I know when my kids were little, I, yeah. my idea of Sabbathing was so weird. It was like, uh, how do I Sabbath when I have kids that need me all the time? Well, we figured it out. We figured it out because you could still live a life of worship to God with littles, right? You just have to figure out, you have to be, give yourself grace, a lot of grace. Yeah. And I I ask this question equally with grace because I imagine you ask it of yourself. um, But how do you determine, you know, as you're looking toward a Sabbath or you're engaging in the midst of a Sabbath, how do you determine with grace um, what activities or what ways to spend your time in a given day are Sabbath worthy, worthy versus not Sabbath worthy? I'm having a hard time with that. <laughs> Not Sabbath Not worthy. There we go. Yeah, I think that also takes practice. I some people do it differently. I think this is being just taking time to be self-aware of what yeah. works best for you. So I have a friend who turns his phone off completely. Like yeah. it just it is basically a brick because he can't trust himself to not use it. Right. Uh, so he has this phone because he has kids and he has his wife, but he, his wife has like the password. So everything shut off except for texts with her. Mm. 
and like a phone if he needs it. And I think that's brilliant because that he sure. knows himself and that's what he needs. I, I don't have as much of an issue with the, my phone as most. And so I can actually put my phone down and then f- kind of forget where it is on Sabbath. But I've had to train my mind to do that. Uh, I don't do that any other day. Uh, I am kind of glued to my phone. That's kind of the world I'm sure, in. Sure. Uh, but, but that's kind of the thing I do. So for me, it's much more about what gives me life. Where do I feel like I can hear and reconnect with my first love, which is my God. And so for some people, it is being out in nature. I am very much, I like being out, like going for a walk does a lot for me. But if it is really cold outside, it does nothing for me because then I'm just mad. (laughs) Or if it's really hot, no, I do not praise the Lord in that situation. So I I look for things that I I enjoy doing and and sometimes it's writing, sometimes it's reading, uh, oftentimes it's reading, I'm kind of nerdy, Uh, and sometimes it's a nap. Your body just will tell you. So. You know, in scripture, it talks about, you know, remember when uh, <laughs> he's like, go take a nap, go get a snack and go take take a nap and you're good to go. And I think that that speaks to us today, too. So uh, just being aware of what your body needs. Um, my when I go to counseling is usually on my Friday off. Usually it's not be- before Sabbath has started, but it's like my day off that I use that day because it is about me. It's my it's yeah. like the therapy of emotions and my psychological mind and that's all connected. Right. And so we want to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, all of it, not just one side, because then that really makes us unbalanced. Yeah. And it, it sounds like for you, Sabbath is more of a individual thing than a family thing, or is there a, like, is there a family component to there Sabbath? There's definitely a family component. I take the day off. So I, because I am an introvert, so I definitely t- need time for myself. Sure. Yeah. But we are made in the image of a triune God, a God, Father, God, Jesus, and then God, Holy Spirit. And they are in community with each other. So it's really important. I think that we mirror that as the Imago Day, and that we are s- taking Sabbath in community. So I have had, and I wouldn't call it a small group, small group, but I would say like my best friends, like tonight, for instance, is one of my friends, good friend's birthday. And so we are going to celebrate him, like three couples together. We're going to eat, we're going to celebrate. And that's Sabbath. That is Sabbath, you know, and my kids are invited to that and all of it. And so it's very much inclusive. Sabbath does not exclude my family ever. Sure. It's sure. They're always a, a part of it. Now, silent retreats do not include them because that would no longer be silent, but that is not a weekly system. It's a quarterly, sometimes yeah. a longer one for a yearly, but the, the yearly thing that's a getaway is my two week vacation with my family, which is so, so yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember when I was in a, church planning setting, Sabbath, especially once they moved it to Saturday, was challenging to know things like, you know, once a month, we're in, you know, it was a small church plant, so we knew everybody. So, once a month, we're invited to this kid's birthday party. And it's like, well, yeah, we'll go. And it's, but it was this dance because I'm there with the people from our church who actually were our friends. And at the same time, it's hard to not feel like I'm you know, so there's just there's just challenges like that that come with it, but it's it's still worth fighting for week to week for sure. Yeah. I appreciate your commitment to it, man. I remember all those birthday parties. My kid, yeah. my kid drives now, so I'm like, have a good time. Uh, but <laughs> before, like, we had to shift those, you know. And I would not say that I had the best rhythms 
I, I didn't have any great sacred rhythms then. I like you. I helped plan a church, and um, I was raising support for a whole year, and that yeah. was interesting, right? And then, then yeah. it was like raise half, and then they pay you half, and and so there's a lot of things that we had to do that that you know it, it's not easy, and, and you always feel like you're un, under a microscope, and they're watching you, and like you know, th- the hard part is feeling isolated because you feel like. You, yeah, you pastor these people, but at the same time, they're your friends and they're inviting you to these things and you want yeah. to be a part of that because community is so important, but you're also like, okay, is that work? And so the minute that it feels like work, you have to shift it to another day, maybe that week. Because it's not like birthday parties are all the time on the same day, but sure. on those week, you got to shift it to something else. Yeah. And, and and we were lucky enough that you know I felt like I could be there as part of the community, not as the pastor who was at the party. And so that was really helpful. But th- there's, I mean, there's just a lot of nuance there. Yeah. You mentioned painting. And one of the questions I like to ask about is like, do you have hobbies yeah. that are important for your health? So you mentioned painting. Are there other things that you find just disengage you from Yes. The expectations of being in ministry. Yes, absolutely. I So I was a worship pap- pastor for uh, 17 years, and music is a big part of my life. So I paint, I draw, I Bible art journal. Like I do these things that are mm. kind of active. I have a creative side of me, but I'm also a musician. So there are times that I will just sit at my piano when my kids are not here and yeah. just play. Not even writing a song. I'm just playing. And it may not even be a written piece. I'm just making something up. Half the time, this this is sad or good. I don't know. I I feel like it's just time with me and God. But I will just play something and it ends up being this beautiful thing. And I think, oh, I got to record that because I could probably use that somewhere. But I never do. And then I can't remember it later. But I feel like that is one of those moments that are just between me and God, no words. It's just emotion onto the keyboard um, or it's with my guitar, whatever it might be. And so I'm not saying it has to be art for some people. It's a, a walk for some people. It's people watching for some people. It's going to try a million different restaurants. Go do that if you want. Um, but for me, it's as an introvert, it's just things that are more uh, quiet or by myself that, that really kind of breathe life into me. Yeah. So how do you know when you're not doing well? So as an Enneagram three, uh, <laughs> I nine out and that yeah. hasn't happened in a long time. Cause I've been very um, intentional about my rhythms, but if I get to a place where I don't care anymore, hmm. uh, that's, a, that's a, that's a problem. That's like too yeah. late. So there are pockets of times in really like in really busy seasons that I, I kind of start to go, okay, like when I start to feel decision fatigue, that's when I know for me. And again, this is because it's practiced in me, right? I didn't yeah. know this before. I would say if you count like 15 years ago, I didn't know that. And so what I did was I just overflowed all the junk and anxiety and depression that was like welling up inside me all over my husband, all over my kids, all over the people around me. Uh, and it was ugly. Right. And so I had yeah, to like sure. learn and practice into, into the place I'm at. I, I not that I am perfect because I definitely still do that every now and then, but not nearly as much as I used to. And so I could tell if I'm starting to feel short with people 
Or if I start to feel that anxiety rise up that I feel I need to control things, that's when I go, whoo, that's a gut check of I need to get away. And in that moment, I've noticed that if I just leave whatever space I'm in, and sometimes I'm in a meeting, so I can't right then and there. But after the meeting, I will say, okay, I'm going to get away now. I think the hardest part is when I have like back to back to back meetings. Uh, mm-hmm. But then that evening I am really good at communicating with my husband, my, my family, my boys, we have a group chat and I just say, Hey, mama's had a hard day. I just need like 30 minutes when I get home <laughs> yeah. yeah, in my closet. Like can, can no one bother me just for 30 minutes? And I, I'm very intentional about what I do in those 30 minutes. So I'm not only driving home in that, um, and I'm one of those people that don't actually get road rage, so it's not the worst thing for me. And so it, I basically have a total of like an hour uh, by the time I get home before I like re-engage with my family. And so it's just really being so aware of what triggers yeah. you and what flourishes you, um, which again, just takes a lot of trial and error and your willingness to try. Life experience. Yep. I mean, when you've been in ministry for 20 years, you're you're either completely tuned out on those kind of things and you're just in the routine or, as you are, you know, hopefully you're really engaged and aware. It, it sounds like even when you're not doing well, you're generally aware of it on your own. It's not like your husband has to pull you aside or somebody from you know, the, the church, it's, you're, you're clued in. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different practices too. Like in real time, if you go to counseling, there's like physical things you can do. Uh, I haven't had to do this much, but I know there are a couple moments, uh, like last year when it was, we were coming out of COVID things were like, we're trying to figure things out. And I had to lay down in my office. I shut the door, laid down Mm -hmm. and you put your hand on your chest, you put your hand on your belly and you make sure as much of your body is like laying down and touching the ground as possible. And it's it's called grounding. And this Mm -hmm. is for people that a lot of pastors have anxiety. We just do sure. there's this little bit yeah. of this Superman syndrome, right, that we have. And so I just lay there and then I just like make sure, okay, I'm okay. I'm here. And that actually does a lot for me too. And I've not actually met anyone that it does not work for. Uh, if you can get out there, take your shoes off and put your feet in the grass, that's another thing that's like super healing really quick. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, find the ways that you need to get grounded and remember it's not permanent. We're, we're this, yes. you know, we, we get caught up in the moment and you're like, no, no, there's, there's a big picture. What really matters? Is this the battle I'm going to pick or no, like, this is fine. We're going to be okay. Kind of a thing. So. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that you have a very integrated view of your faith so that, you know, you've talked as much about tangible physical body practices yeah. as you have disengage, you know, esoteric practices. Yeah. And I really appreciate that you bring all that to the table Thanks. in this conversation. It's really important. I, I think we forget that our body is whole, you know, holistic. And so it's all those pieces. It's physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual, mental. It's all of it. It's not one thing only. And we need to make sure that we are taking inventory of all those things. Have you always been that integrated in your view, oh, or is that something you've not. had to learn? Absolutely okay. not. I am, I am by far, like the beginning of my life, the most unbalanced person. And so maybe yeah. it's because I needed it that I, I went this direction. I studied uh, psychology um, mm-hmm. and then now and also 
theology. And so the, how the two kind of lock in and mix, um, it, it's, it's intriguing uh, how, how that, ref- that can actually propel one and the other uh, in your life. Yeah. Uh, and then if you throw in that you just stay active, and I don't mean like you have to be a bodybuilder. I'm just saying you just, you have to move. Your body requires you to move. And so many of us are in static jobs, sitting behind a desk all day. Yes. You got to get up and move. So yeah. it's, it's all of it. And, and I know it feels like a lot, just do one little thing at a time. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. I, I, I partially asked that question because I, I wondered, you know, you said, I know you grew up in the United States, but I don't know how much you still feel like you're influenced by Eastern culture. Very much so. And that being more of a, you know, this is grossly oversimplified on my yeah. <laughs> part, but that being more of a both and culture, I wondered if that lent itself to you seeing your spirituality and your physical, you know, all that together or not. I do think that I, there are some benefits to having that side of that culture in my life. My grandmother, my father, my mother, there's very much that Eastern um, understanding of just that part of your body. Uh, And, and you got to remember too, that a lot of uh, the, the fastest growing part of our church right now is actually not the United States. And so there's, hasn't there's, been for a long time, no, I don't think. <laughs> it hasn't for a long time, but we're so yeah. like here and with our like heads in the sand that we don't really necessarily recognize that. Um, but yeah, it is growing in so many other areas. So like you have to wonder what does that mean in the cultural context of that as well? Because we've definitely mixed the our American culture in with our faith, you know, and absolutely, sure. so, absolutely, Christianity, clearly, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I I think I've had some. Um, privilege in that of, of understanding in, in a better way. I, I don't understand it fully simply because I am not, I wasn't born and raised overseas, but mm-hmm. because I have proximity to people that did, it does change my narrative and my understanding and my willingness to explore it a little bit more. Um, but as you read in scripture, you see it, it, it that way too. You know, we read how, um, you know, Part of the Shema, which is Deuteronomy 6, what is it, 48? Is that correct? Uh, but what it, it translates into what Jesus did in Matthew 22, which is the whole love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, mm-hmm. strength, and then yeah. love uh, love each other, right? And so when you say love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart, we look at heart and we go, oh, that's love. But in ancient times, heart was your mind. Like that is yeah. actually yeah. how it connected was different and so just even understanding those little things it's not a feeling it's not necessarily um it's definitely not individualistic it's communal you know and it's very much with the whole of you not just a part of you yeah so my last main question that i love to ask which I send you these ahead of time so sometimes people are like wow this this question really sent me on a journey um (laughs) And maybe it was just an easy one for you to answer, but who do you hope to be in 10 years? This might be oversimplified, but I really just hope that I am more of what God created me to be. And Mm. so when I look in the mirror, and I'll be honest with you, John, like my journey in understanding who I am as as a Chinese American woman is still kind of in flux and it's still... Uh, I'm still exploring it. So, um, you know, born and raised here, uh, but 
if you really think about it, at least for me, my experience, and if you ask most uh, minorities, um, we don't necessarily feel like we belong in the United yeah. States in many ways, yeah. uh, in faith, or even just to exist. Uh, it's like that perpetual foreigner you know, I narrative that we have, but I also don't, I, every time I go back to Hong Kong, which is where my family's from, I don't belong there either. When I'm there, yeah. it's very obvious, probably cause I make eye contact as a female, um, that I am not from Hong Kong. So there's this little bit of this in betweenness for me, like not really knowing where I belong. And so long story short, I am exploring what that means for me and, Therefore, also, because I have a platform, what that means for people that look like me as the Imago Day. So how I have started to love myself in ways because God created me this way in the last five, ten years, I hope more of that happens and there's less self-hatred and there's more yeah. seeing what's beautiful in me Um and in my culture and my narrative and my life and in what my family, I want to see more of that in 10 years. Um, and I really hope that in 10 years, I don't uh, get canceled <laughs> in some way, shape or form. Uh, m- not because I care what happens to me, but I care that people uh, would feel seen and yeah. feel belonging um, because they see someone that kind of looks like them. Uh, and yeah. then because of that, that pull, pulls them back into the kingdom of God and who they were created to be. Yeah. We're all going to get canceled by someone because they won't like what we have to say. But I, I appreciate that. I would imagine that, you know, as a Chinese American woman, you've already been canceled plenty of times. Multiple and times. I appreciate that you're. You're, I mean, I just feel like you've fully shown up for this conversation and offered all of yourself, and I'm really grateful for that. So, those who have already canceled you, they're probably not listening anyway. So, thank you for, thank you for sharing the Imago Day that's within you with all of us today. I appreciate that. Thank you, John, yeah. for having me. Yeah, thanks, Jenny. <laughs>